Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the perfect Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the beautiful weather that we get to enjoy. Thank you for bringing us here safely to to gather as a, a family, as a body of Christ. Thank you for the time that we had to worship you in song and in prayer. Thank you, Father, for directing our hearts to you today. I pray that you would help your spirit would just uh, take all other things out of our minds except you and your word, that your spirit would empower the words I, I present today to, to each one here, that the hearts would be opened, they would hear the words, accept them in whatever way you have for them, Lord, whether as inspiration for those who believe or conviction for those who who do not yet believe. Have your way with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There we go. Have you ever made a promise? I'm sure you have. But have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? I know I have. And has someone ever made you a promise that they didn't keep? Dennis kind of touched on this last week a little bit in the talk about adultery and how in marriage you take these vows and uh, they can be broken. And a vow is another promise. Um, when we make a promise and we, br- we don't keep it, the relationship that we had can be seriously damaged seriously damaged or potentially killed promises are a deep thing they're a powerful thing for good or bad but today um, we're going to talk about promises promises of God and I think it's working Okay, I guess it is, but just not on my screen. There we go. (laughs) For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. What is going on? (laughs) Okay, good enough. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That's a powerful verse from a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, second letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, or actually third. I think one is missing in there somewhere. But uh, to totally understand this verse, we should probably go to keep it in context. Why don't we turn to 2 Corinthians? And read the whole thing. Paul had a very contentious relationship with the Corinthians. Um, There was some people in there who disrespected Paul. They didn't consider him a true apostle. They thought he was pretty much, okay, I'll say the word, loser. (laughs) Um, 
And so if, if he did anything, they found fault with it, and, and, it, and they, just, they just pounded on him with abuse. So this is what he wrote to them about a situation that came up when he had promised to come visit them on his way to Macedonia, and then after that trip, come back through Corinth, visit him again, and then go to Judea with the collection that he was hopefully going to collect. And this is what he writes. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia after, and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this, or do I make my plans in a worldly manner? so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no. But but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith you stand firm. Paul is saying, yes, I was going to come to you a second time. You're looking at me as though I'm a liar, but the situation was the first visit was so painful. It was so contentious. There was so much bickering and, and just outright animosity to Paul and the pain that all that caused to the church he wanted to avoid on the return trip and said, it's because I love you that I don't want to give you this much more pain again. I'm I'm passing by. I'm not stopping through. They, They called him out thinking that, okay, he made a promise and he didn't fulfill it. So he's not, he's not the great one that he says he is. He's not the one whose letters are impressive, but then when he shows up in person, he's, he's nothing. He's, He's not impressive at all. His words are simple and crude, as we read in 2 Corinthians later on in 11. Um, But in this this section, Paul parallels his dedication to the Corinthian church with God's to all those in Christ. He says, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, but yes. He did this out of love for them. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. What does in Christ mean? If we go to scripture, um, we can see that uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians, and you were also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
I love Paul's writing, how consistent they are and how one passage echoes the other passage. There's, there's so much in here that, that echoes just what he wrote to the Corinthians about being sealed in the Holy Spirit and a deposit guaranteeing and to the praise of God's glory and in Christ. It is so solid. It's so... I just love it. Anyways, in Christ means you are in Christ. You have been saved. You believed the gospel. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are positionally in Christ. So all God's promises are yes in Christ means not only did Christ fulfill all the promises that God made, he is the promised one, and he came. He did exactly what the Father told him to do. He fulfilled it completely. He fulfilled the promises. He is the promised one. But we are in Christ, meaning all the promises that God made are yes to us in Christ. We are not separate from Christ in the promises. When God looks at Christ, and when God looks at us, he sees Christ because we are in Christ. (coughs) Excuse me. In Christ is a term that Paul used 164 times in his letters to the church. That's like, it could be in him, it could be in Christ, it could be in Christ Jesus, but he uses it 164 times. It kind of tells you that's an important phrase, that it's not something you can glance over when you think about your relationship with God. Okay, I'm in Christ, but that doesn't really mean much. No, it means everything. In Christ is vitally important. And God raised up Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Notice the term, the the tense of these sentences. God raised us up. It's done. It's past tense. We are seated in heaven right now. You, me, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are seated in heaven with Christ at the right hand of God. In Christ, as a rule of thumb, when you use the words in Christ, in Christ Jesus, it is a statement that it refers to a positional meaning. It's, it's a positional saying. If you say the Lord Jesus Christ, that is in reference to the relationship we have to Christ, the person, the man, the God, but it's a relationship. In Christ is the position. It's who we are in Christ. So when we say we are in heaven, we in Christ, that means because we put our faith in Christ, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit in Christ, we are up there now, positionally. God is looking at us in heaven since he's outside of time. He's not stuck here right in 2018 like we are. But he sees the whole thing from beginning to end. He sees us seated in Christ right now up in heaven. That's got to change our mind about so much. We We have to grab that and hold on to that. That Christ sees us seated with him right now. For, whoops, 
For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ again. Positionally, we are seated at the right hand of God the Father. And praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. So it sounds really great. We're seated up in heaven, and God has given us all these spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. But still, we're down here, 2018 on earth. What do we got? We got a lot. The blessings in the heavenly realms are all well and good. But I want you to think back to what the Corinthians thought about Paul. When Paul wrote them a letter, they said, oh, his words are weighty, and they're terrifying, and they have power. But then when he shows up in person, he's like, he's nothing. He's like, not impressive at all. There's no real impact in his talking. He uses simple words. There's no real power. We have to be careful that we don't take that same attitude that the Corinthians had for Paul, and we take that for God's promises. We can read the Bible and say, wow, those are powerful words. Wow, yeah. And in our lives, it's like weak and unfruitful, and we think there's no power. We have to be careful. Paul, they called Paul a liar for not going through the second time, but he had his own reasons and they were for their benefit. We have to be careful about calling God a liar when we fail to accept and take the, the, excuse me, the promises that he has given us. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and right and goodness. Through these, his own glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. We have everything right now because we are seated in Christ in heaven and God has blessed us in heavenly realms with all spiritual blessings they're not just stuck up there. They come down here. The spiritual word, world affects the physical world, and the physical world affects the spiritual world. And that'll, that is... Well, I'll get to that later. <laughs> we have everything we need now for godly life through our knowledge of him. In Christ, we have everything because of his great promises we can participate in the divine nature. We have the Holy Spirit. Um, he's living in us. The God, God, the Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead, is living in us. We have that power, not for us to use, but for God to use through us when we humbly submit. But do we live like that now? Do we... Do we take those promises? Are they active in our lives? Do we, do we feel them actually accomplishing something? If not, why not? Well, do we know the promises of God? I'm sure you can all give me some promises that you know about that God has given us. Maybe you're unsure about others. If we do know the promises of God, but they still don't seem to be reality, and what and having an effect in our life, why not? What's wrong? 
Has God failed us? Is his word powerful? But, you know, when he shows up in person, there's nothing really happening. The answer to that is no. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are just in Christ. And to this point, the second part of that verse, and so through him, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. God made promises. And what have we done with the promises? God has given us the gospel of salvation. What did you do to become saved? You accepted it. You received it. And you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. You were born again. You are saved. God has made promises. What did you do with them? Did you ever receive them? Promises are given. They have to be accepted. The amen. Amen means so be it, or it is so. Establish it. Yes, I agree. This is true. I affirm what you said. It's a declaration of acceptance of what is being said. It's not if somebody's up here preaching, you go, yay, amen, because it sounds like he's getting tired and you need to encourage him. That's not what it means. (laughs) I could use an amen. No, no, I'm with you. It's an... (laughs) Stop. It's a a declaration of accepting what you just heard as true to your life. May it be so. Yes, I believe this. Okay. And if what is being said is from God, if he's made promises to you and he said them, are you going to accept them? You're going to accept them. And if you do... That is when they are the reality. That's when it says the amen is spoken by us. You have to accept them to the glory of God. And God is praised when we believe him. Take those promises, accept them in more than just saying amen. Let's look at a couple examples in scripture. This is God talking to David when David had said he wanted to build a temple for the Lord. God is talking through Nathan the prophet to David, and he says, I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to secede you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father And he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him. As they took it away from your predecessor, I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. That is a big promise. Wow. And this is David's response. And I want you to see how humble this is. And notice what he does in this response. David says, and now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house be established forever. Do as you promised so that it will be established and that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, the Lord Almighty, the, Lord, the God over Israel, he is Israel's God. And the house of your servant, David, will be established before you. You, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. 
So your servant has found courage to pray to you. You, Lord, our God, you have promised these good things to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant that I may continue forever in your sight. For you, Lord, have blessed it and it will be blessed forever. It's a pretty lengthy amen, but he repeated what God had said. He said, I believe this. This is what you're going to do. Establish it, he says. Right? A couple times. Establish. Amen. This is it. I so be it. I believe it. And it is, it is through the humility of, that he has, your servant. I am your servant. I don't deserve this. You're going to bless me. And I, all I do is say thank you and your will be done because you are the God. You are the master. I am the servant. I accept what you give me. David claimed God's promise. He repeated it and made it his. Another example, when Gabriel came and appeared to Mary, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. He will con- you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will, have never, will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And here's the amen. I am the Lord's servant, just like David. Humbly, I am your servant. May your word be to me, may your word to me be fulfilled. Establish it. Amen. So be it. Have your way, Lord. Then the angel left her. It's quite shorter than uh, David's. David was a king and he was a great poet and everything, so he had a lot of words to use, I suppose. But our response is supposed to be the same thing. We're supposed to hear the promises of God, know them, repeat them, accept them, count on God to fulfill them. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Gentile nor Jew, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If we are Abraham's seed because we belong to Christ, that means all promise. Promises in the New Testament, obviously, are for us. But promises that God made in the Old Testament can be applied to us and are for us. We have to be careful about which promises we're trying to claim. Um, I really wouldn't want you to claim the promise that God made in Genesis to Satan that her offspring will crush your head and 
you will strike his heel. It's probably one you don't want to claim. And I can't claim the one in the New Testament about um, the Holy Spirit's going to conceive in child to me. It's just not going to happen. So obviously there are some promises that can be made to individuals that don't apply to everyone. But there are promises that are open and are um, a general promise to those, but they're conditional usually in the Old Testament. If you do this, yes, this. If this, yes. So what are the promises of God? I'm going to show you some. I hope. Probably most of these, if not all of them, are familiar to you. Maybe all of these you believe. Or maybe some of these you looked at many times and you say, nah, well, that doesn't really apply to me. Maybe God's just talking to special people who are pastors or evangelists or maybe God means this for other people. I'm just who I am. There are many things that get in the way of us accepting God's promises. We have baggage. We have, we have lies in our lives that we've been told, and we believe them even more than we believe God. I can't do that. I'm, I just, it's just not in me. You know, God doesn't really need me. I'm, I'm really nothing, and so I don't really have to contribute, you know, because I'm so humble I don't have to contribute. There are emotions that get in the way because of those lies in our lives. They affect our emotions. And, and if, if you think it's all about you and you feel that you can't do something, you're afraid to do it when somebody asks you to step up and do it. There's fear. There's pride. There's false pride. As I mentioned, oh, I, I'm so incapable that, no, I'll just sit here and, and take everything in. No, God has promises. There are other priorities in our lives. There are people that are more important to us than, than God. There are people in our lives who are more important to us than, than obeying God. We have to look at these promises that we've... They're supposed to be 54... Oh, well. Um, I do have copies of those promises up here if you wanted to get a copy of them. But, um, knowing these promises is not enough. If you do come up and take these promises, I would ask that you go through them one at a time slowly, maybe one a day. Read it and try to notice how you feel about it. Did, did you just disregard it immediately? Or do you feel like you've already, you've already believed it, but you haven't really claimed it? 
The idea here is for you to take these promises, make them yours by claiming them, repeat them to God, saying, God, I know you have promised this to me. I, I believe that you are going to, and put your name in there. These are promises for you, and that is a very big amen. Ah, let's see. I skipped around, so all my notes don't count anymore. Basically, that's all I got is just God's promises are yes in Christ. So if you are in Christ, they are yes for you. Believe them, accept them. Let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, for those of us in Christ, all your promises are yes. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You have given us all we need to live godly lives. I can do all things through Christ. All things, even stepping up and being uncomfortable, not trusting in myself. Lord, help us to accept your promises. Apply them to our lives, to claim them, to trust that you will give the strength to have them done. Humbly, as your servants, we ask this. Father, I pray for those who are here today with, who don't know you as Lord and Savior, who do not have the promises of God yet. There is one promise to them that they can take right now. If they will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him, they will be saved and all these other promises come to them. Lord, I pray that your spirit will reach into the hearts of those who still haven't come to you. Help them turn to you. Help them to accept your, your sacrifice, your love, your bloodshed, the forgiveness of all their sins. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Have your way with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.